are live on the Haber Show. Um, I we just exchanged some great stories that I wish I was playing uh, pr- press record on. Some great stories of us being dunked on or uh, almost getting fights with NFL players. We might get to that in the overtime of this show, but. Vinny Goodwell from uh, Yahoo Sports. I feel like we've cornered the, the Yahoo Sports market at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. We're three for three now, right? We had Syrup, we had uh, Chris Haynes, and now we got Vinny. Who's left? Who else y'all got over there? That's it? Uh, she, that's guy, it doesn't here. matter. After, Vin, after Vinny, Vinny it doesn't hit, matter. Vinny just hit me with the, I just work here, man. <laughs> Ask me questions. <laughs> I'm offended that I'm the third person that y'all brought on here. I'm better looking than Chris Haynes. That, Which ain't really hard to be. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm going to go no comment on this one because I feel like no matter who I offend here, it's not going to be a victory for me. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> That's, okay. That's why you're the last one, Vinny. We can't have you on a podcast with me, man. This shit's going to be stupid. Vinny, you were on uh, uh, FS1 today already, so I'm getting, yeah. we're getting sloppy seconds here. We're, we're getting the second round of Vinny Goodwill's takes. <laughs> well, I don't think of sloppy seconds in that form, Tom Habers. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going you're gonna to get a more unfiltered Vinny because, you know, we're not in this 90-second shot clock, so you're going to get more authentic. That, that's mm. how you look at it. That's mm. what I like here. Well, because this is the big story of the day is uh, LeBron's minutes, and I feel like I mean, we've talked about LeBron's minutes a bunch of times and we've been proven wrong, or I guess LeBron is kind of in his own world. Like, like it's hard to say LeBron should not be playing this kind of minutes. He should, he should rest. He should take some time off because like LeBron does this and then wins championships or goes to the finals and looks as good as ever. So with that caveat, we're back to where we've been every single year in this conversation with LeBron, which is, when is he going to fall off or is this a good idea that he's averaging 38 minutes a game over his last 10 games? Um, another 40 plus night for him last night in the L against uh, the, the wizards overtime loss. And just, is this okay for LeBron Vinny? I'll start with you. Like if you're the coach for LeBron, are you saying anything about his minutes? Or are you trying to keep his minutes down? Or are you just like, you know, if you want to play, go ahead. Well, you got to, Tell me who's the coach of that team. I think the coach of that team is LeBron James anyway. So is LeBron having a conversation with self in the mirror and then telling Frank Vogel about it later? <laughs> like, Frank, we, 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 the coaching staff, came up with a decision here <laughs> about, about LeBron's minutes. Frank, I talked to him. <laughs> he's, he's, he feels pretty strongly about this one, Frank. <laughs> no, but honestly... I think LeBron tries to conserve his body. I think even if you're playing 38 minutes, I remember having a conversation with him and Dwayne Wade. This is when Wade was in Cleveland. And I was asking Dwayne about 35 minutes. And he says, all 35 minutes are created equal. It's, is it a cutting, slashing 35 minutes? Or is it an easier 35 minutes where you're not running into screens, crashing your body all over the place? He's like, in the beginning, those minutes are harder you know, but in the end, you kind of wind up how, you know, having to figure out, learning to figure out, you know, where you can sort of pick your spots. I think LeBron is sort of picking his spots, which kind of leads to some of the turnovers and careless plays because he's trying to conserve his body and not use as much energy as he should. But you playing 39 minutes a game and, and this month at 36 years old, you got to make that make sense for me how that's going to add up in June. Yeah, look, like I'm, I, I did the math here. I went to uh, Stathead. 
Shout out to Basketball Reference, the pay. I mean, I know Amin's a paying customer of, of Stathead.com. Um, they have this new tool, Vinny, that you can look up 10 game spans, five game spans. It's called Span Finder. And uh, I looked up how many times, to your point, Vinny, how many times someone 36 or older played more minutes over a 10 game span than what LeBron James is doing right now. He's 36 years old. I'm curious, like, has this ever been done before? It has. Three players have played more minutes over a 10 game span. Amin? Carl Malone. Hasn't done it. Oof. I thought so too. I got a guess. All right, Vinny. I got go. a guess. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant did. The Achilles. No. Achilles. Was that the Achilles year? Was that was that 36? It Kobe, Kobe's like highest in the, in this category is like 26. So I think it's post Achilles. It's got to be post Achilles. So um, 10 game sample, three players have done it. It's since 1952 or whatever it is. LeBron is at 38.2. The top three, Dale Ellis in 1987, 44.4 minutes a game. And I'll get to the the reason why. Over over how many games? 10 game span when he was Was age 36 season for the Nuggets. For the Nuggets. The Nuggets? Um, Michael Jordan. They weren't even good. Hold Mike, on. They weren't even hold, good. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get to that. Okay. Michael Jordan, number two. Wizards. 39.3 in his, in his last, in his last yeah. season with the Wizards, he had uh, average 39.3. Yeah. Dennis Rodman in the 98 Bulls season, at the yeah, end of the season, sense. regular season, he averaged 39.3. Then LeBron. And I want to just let this <laughs> marinate here. Dale Ellis, when he did that, 44 no. minutes a night was his mm-hmm. last 10 games of the season with a 21-61 and 61 Denver Nuggets uh, team. Okay? This is the farewell? Dick Mata was the coach, all right? So Michael Jordan, it was the last 10 games of his NBA career, okay? Mm-hmm. So at number one, you have Dale Ellis, who's leaving it all on the floor for the last you know, section <clears> of the season. And Michael Jordan's leaving it out all on the floor because he's not playing in the playoffs for the Wizards, right? Dennis Rodman does it. But Dennis Rodman ain't, you know, dropping 25 a night or being the leader on his team it's offensively. A different 39 minutes to, to Vinny's point that he was making earlier. It's a different kind of 39 minutes. And LeBron James at 38.2, where he is having to do everything for this team as a distributor, as a scorer, defender. They don't have Anthony Davis. So my point is, like, what is this going to do for the playoffs? You know, we, we sit here and we say LeBron is indestructible. He goes to the finals every year. But – this isn't going to be like LeBron's going to be playing through 55 years old at this level. It, he has to, at some point, show signs of, of aging. And this is the scenario in which you think, okay, like this can't be good that he's doing this in February before the All-Star break. He's doing this before February where these other guys at this age were doing it at the swung song of their NBA careers, right? So I just think this is totally, we haven't seen anything like this before. We say that a lot about LeBron, but I'm, I don't think it's a good thing. And LeBron is saying the right things. Like he can't be like, I want to rest. Like that's not what we ask our leaders to say right. out in, in public. Like, <laughs> he can't say those things. But at the same time, when he says, I don't want to rest, I'm not about that life. Like this is what Anthony Davis said before he had to be out for two months with an Achilles injury. This is what Kevin Durant said before he blew out his Achilles, or this is what Kobe Bryant said before he blew out his Achilles, which is like, I'm leaving it out on the floor. I'm a gamer. I love this game. I'm not going to take games off. That's not what I'm about. And like, 
I'm not saying LeBron's going to get that type of injury, but this is the cost of doing that. It sounds good. Like I'm, I love this game. I'm not going to rest, but man, like these bodies just can only take so much. Uh, man. Uh, look, I I'm out of that business. I, I quit on that. Five years ago, I was saying he looks tired. He looks all this and that. And then motherfucker came back and, and had the greatest <laughs> victory in the history of, of the finals. So, I literally am just, I'm, I'm out on that. I said, you know, they always say Father Time is undefeated. Guess what? Father Time's getting his ass beat. LeBron and Tom Brady, they're, they're running up to score right now. Now, you might tell me Father Time has a, a big fourth quarter comeback, but it feels <laughs> like that fourth quarter is a long time from now. I don't know, Tom. I, I, I honestly don't know. I said the same thing last year when they went on their win streak and I was pointing out <clears throat> LeBron's playing crazy minutes to beat subpar teams, right? To beat subpar teams. They weren't out there beating great teams, and that's why. He's playing 39 minutes to beat teams that weren't on their level. And I thought, man, that's going to add up. That's going to take its toll at some point. And it didn't. And I mean, obviously, we had a, a long break because of the, the pandemic, but I just, <laughs> I don't see it, man. I'm sorry. I like maybe the seven or, you know, seven figures that he puts into his body in recovery. Maybe that is the difference between him and the Kobe Bryant and all these other guys who got hurt later in their careers as they tried to push themselves. Well, I mean, to me, there's, there's a thing. I won't say what the former executive it was. He told me there's two things in life that are undefeated. Father time and that thing. <clears throat> Sorry, I mean, I, you, could, I you, you could say, you could say it's pussy. That's, and, usually, <laughs> and usually pussy comes first. Just say, We'll just throw that out there. Usually it's all the way around. Like pussy and father time. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, Amin Al Hassan, his statements are his statements and his statements alone. <laughs> <laughs> but um here, here's my thing. I don't and think that's LeBron, not his statement. I mean, he was you were just quoting another executive. Right, right. No, I think um here's what I think was Amin Al Hassan. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. I would have I would have said it was you. <laughs> But here's my thing about LeBron. It's not that I think there's going to be some catastrophic fall off or injury per se. It could be, but it's going to be the moments where he's going to need to rev it up and take it to this next, to this second level. And he can't when you're assuming the Clippers are there and you got to go against Kawhi and Paul George, and there's no breaks on either end of the floor because you can't hide. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you have to be able to take your game up to that second level to, you know, elevate everything. Because the way this Lakers team is built, it is built to be dependent on LeBron James. For what they're lacking in terms of interior defense, they make up for in shot making. But shot making requires shot creators. And they're not built for Anthony Davis to be a shot creator. They're built for LeBron to set everybody up. And if LeBron is, if his energy reservoir is so worn down because of all these games now, the extra energy he's going to have to use in the playoffs, let's just say, let's say the Lakers are third seed. Let's just say the Lakers are, are a three seed. They could play Golden State in round one. You telling me that's an easy, easy five or six game series? Maybe nope. it's maybe a six game series, but it ain't easy. Then you, then in the second round, maybe it's the Clippers. What happens then? What happens if the Clippers are finally starting to like, like the Clippers are like the girlfriend that you really want to be your girlfriend, but she just can't get right. But you're going to forever hold a place in your heart for her. That's the Clippers, man. If she ever get, if she ever, you know, she ever get her shit together, she going to be a bad thing. And you just don't want to say it out loud, but you know, when she do get it together, she going to run the world. That's the Clippers, right? 
You think he going to be ripe enough for the Clippers to, to poke a hole in? Who knows? Or if they're the four seed and you got to play Utah in round two, who knows? I'm not betting against them, but I am saying that whatever gap you believe there is between him being the best player in basketball compared to how great he needs to be for this Lakers team is, is not as wide as it's ever been. It's probably as close as it's ever been. See, this is this is the funny thing is you just said it. I'm not going to bet against them. Like, does this and all this doesn't matter? Like, it doesn't matter. It's like what LeBron James, how many minutes he has in the regular season, as long as he is healthy in the postseason. I don't know if anyone's going to bet against the dude. I give up, I gave up on it, man. Not not in terms of him losing or winning, but in terms of me seeing a noticeable depletion in his energy reservoir. I'm telling you, Vin, I've said those exact same words for a couple of years now. Right, it just doesn't seem to work out that way, um, and I, I've given up on trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm gonna just, I just say one day this will happen, and then when it happens, we're like, well, I was saying it all along. But in terms of, is it this year? I don't know, man. I really don't know. What's and, the and what's the Levitar bit? Is it the parade of idiots or that they parade of gas bags? Parade of gas bags. Yeah. Parade of gas bags. So you're just <laughs> yeah. sitting this out, so you're not going to be on parade of gas bags. Yeah, I mean, I just like it, it, it's. It, 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 we've gone far past defying logic, right? There's a point where it's like, whoa, well, he did defies logic. But now that he's continued to do it, it's like, maybe the logic is wrong, right? You know, it, and, you know, I mentioned Tom Brady earlier. It's the same thing. It's like, how does this dude just keep finding a way for shit to work out? And I, I, at some point, you gotta say, like, man, it's him. It ain't luck. It ain't, uh, you know. Oh, no, that's luck when you throw three straight interceptions on three straight drives and you still win the game against, <laughs> who, against, who, against who I think is the greatest quarterback to ever touch the field and Aaron Rodgers. I know we're not going to get off this tangent. But, I mean, how great is LeBron going to have to be in the playoffs? For them, for the way that this Lakers team is set up, how great, how above his head is he going to have to play? If they're healthy, not that much. <laughs> if they're healthy. If they're not healthy, that's a different conversation. Now we can start talking about, I don't know, if he's got, you know, what the level he has to play at in order to overcome some of those teams you're talking about. But my thing, I guess, and I'm just making an assumption right now, but based on last week, Tom, what we talked about with uh, Dr. Sutterer, I don't foresee Anthony Davis just being out the rest of the year. He's going to be back, and he's going to be back in time to work off whatever rust he's got. And if Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron's healthy and the rest of the supporting cast is reasonably healthy, this team is going gonna, is gonna to be fine with LeBron playing at a level that I think is close to what he was doing before Anthony Davis got hurt, right? Obviously, since AD got hurt, he's had to kick it up a notch, and we've seen the struggle. You know, there's four overtime games in there and not exactly competition that wows you. Washington, Oklahoma City twice, Detroit. These are the teams that they're struggling to finish off. And in the case of Washington, not finishing off. So it, this uh, kind of level of the Lakers, yeah, this ain't going to be good enough. But if Anthony Davis is back and Schroeder is back and, and the, you know, Gasol is healthy and all that, I think yeah. it'll be regular LeBron will be enough. I just have a hard Do time you, believing that Anthony Davis, considering what he looked like before the injury, um, the fact that the timetable keeps getting extended. I just feel like what we saw Anthony Davis in the playoffs last year, it's gonna be hard for us to get to see that same pl player given his Achilles injury. And like, I just, 
when you have teams that go wall to wall to win a championship and LeBron James is such an outlier here, like that takes a toll on the body. It does like Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that this is the season where Anthony Davis is finally like those minor injuries are adding up to something that might be a little bit more than that. Um, and so to count on Anthony Davis at that, at this point, maybe things change in two months and he looks fine, but I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to, Yes, I'm ready to say that the Lakers are, shouldn't be the favorites in the Western Conference because that Utah oh, you team gotta is going to make. You got to tell me who. I think you both Utah. I, I think Utah and the Clippers right now should be above them because there's no guarantee on on Anthony Davis. Like we keep saying, if Anthony Davis is healthy, if LeBron James is healthy, but there's no guarantee that. Like we we have okay. to put that in the projection. I kind of, oh yes yes I yes I, but I'm projecting them to be healthy. How about that? <laughs> and when they're I, not healthy and they lose, I'll be like, yeah, they weren't healthy. Rather than saying they're not going to be healthy and the Jazz and the Clippers, two teams that have done a pretty magnificent job in recent history of <laughs> underwhelming, right? It's not, you pick two teams that have really shot just the say, Just say choking dogs. How about that, I mean? The Clippers are choking dogs. Like, I'll... I will never forgive them. I, I'm not going to tangent. I will never, <laughs> ever forgive them. Like, I had my mouth water for some hash last year. I don't care how long it was going to take or it being in the bubble. I had my mouth water for a swallow of Lakers and Clippers, mano y mano, yep. and all George hit the shoot, shoot basketball on the goddamn side of the backboard. Like, there was no way I will ever forgive them for that but I want to believe in them. I want, because I think the Clippers are, as far as a complete team, with a decent enough floor and a high enough ceiling that they should be a championship team. I think they're a point guard away that they should be trying to go after and get, but I think they should be the favorite. You just not going to have me on Al Gore's internet going out here making another fool of myself <laughs> saying that the Clippers is going to beat the Lakers. Just think about saying that shit out loud. The Los Angeles Clippers, the franchise of Donald Sterling, is going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Big show. No, this is Steve Ballmer's Clippers now. This is Steve. Ball we can't keep going back to that. We can't keep going back that, to that. They went back to that. They took themselves <laughs> back there. We didn't do that. I didn't blow no 3 1 lead. <laughs> they did that shit. They were like, before Kawhi yeah, wins it with Toronto and then Vinny, goes, yeah. Vinny, I'm going to tell you the truth. When they lost game five, you can ask Zach Harper this. I said on the radio, man, I hope they lose this series. <laughs> this guy, I just, it was so disgusted by, we were so goddamn entitled last year. I was like, you know what? As soon as they lost that, that close out, I'm like, you know what? I hope y'all lose. I hope y'all lose the whole thing. I, I, and they I, did. I, I will tell you this. I was so there – was, there was no playoff series since I've been covering the league. Not even like a finals, but a playoff series that I wanted to see more than Lakers and Clippers last year. I wanted that. And they went choking dogs. Like, they were better, than, as, as good as Denver was. You got a 17-point lead in game five, double-digit lead in game six, and a double-digit lead in game seven. You say, you know, they, they went, they went. Uh, my man Willie and uh, what's my man? Scott, Scott Force or whatever from White Man Can't Jump. I want to play them all. I quit. I want to play them all. And it's quit. So you got to show me beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt that that team is going to show up with a different level of character this year. And I get Utah. 
I get Utah is everything on paper. You got a backline defender. You got a high-level shot creator in Donovan Mitchell. But you got to show me a team that just literally jumps from not going anywhere to getting all the way to the top without a significant personnel move of superstar consequence without taking the lump. They haven't taken any real lumps. They just got knocked out in the first round last year. They ain't taking no lumps. You just so lost. You're saying, you're saying, like, the Raptors don't apply here because they got Kawhi. The Raptors don't apply because they got Kawhi. The Pistons of 04 don't apply because they got Rasheed Wallace, who was a superstar talent, not a superstar player. But you can't name me a team that without a superstar made a big jump from year to year going from that to going to the finals and beating LeBron effing James along the way. Nah, nah, nah. I ain't making that leap, Jack. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I want to ask you guys about this shifting gears about the uh, Timberwolves making the coaching change. Because Ryan Saunders got five games with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not saying that those two guys are, are Kobe Bryant and Shaq, right? But Gerson Rosas, the president of the basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves, decides we got to make a change. We just lost to the Knicks. Now we have the worst record in the NBA. And he goes out and hires Chris Finch, um, which they have a long relationship back in Houston uh, in the G League. And he's over at the Toronto bench. And he hires Chris Finch from the Toronto bench to be the, the coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves um, in the middle of a road trip. What's the first thought that comes to your head, Vinny, when you saw the news that Ryan Saunders was fired and then that Chris Finch was taking over? Happy Black History Month. That was the thought. <laughs> that was the thought. The, the thought was, the first thought was Ryan Saunders being fired. Because, you know, there was like this 20-minute lapse between him being fired and Chris Finch being hired. The, the firing was, okay, the world has come back to normal. You lose to the Knicks, you get fired. All right, cool. <laughs> cool. We are back. This is back to business as usual, right? Like, the standard is low. And then, you know, my first thought was, well, who's on their bench? And I was like, okay, well, maybe they'll name, you know, David Vanderpool, you know, whatever. Like, you know, just an interim thing. It's, it's a pandemic season. Not really thinking much of it. 30 minutes later, you see what you see, and they're like, wait a minute. So... You're going to get permission from Toronto to interview a head coach 30 minutes after you fire him. And you, you're so confident about entering into negotiations with a guy. I don't care who he is, where he is. He's on another team. And I'm like, okay, this is what, this is what the quote unquote, this is what the black coaches, the black writers have been talking about for years now about basically if we can cut some here, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's that bullshit. <laughs> that's that bullshit. <laughs> that's, that's what you're thinking. Cause you know, we can get into the deep dive of it, but for me, it, it comes down to what more do what more does a guy have to do? Not and I, one thing I will say, Tom, I have no idea if a guy can coach. I have no idea if David Vanderport, any black coach, can coach whatsoever. When we talk about assistant coaches, when we talk about who's deserving of a job, you have no idea if moving twelve inches over to the to the left or the right makes is going to make you better or worse. Because you could be a good, quote-unquote, positional guy, relation, relationship guy, strategic guy, but that's not coaching. That's doing your job at that moment, but coaching is so much more. So I can't say who's more deserving, who's not deserving. What I can say is black coaches never, ever get the benefit of the doubt in that way, and there's always a micro reason that creates this macro picture where the numbers are as jacked up as they are, and nobody seems to have a solution other than to say, we got to do better. I'm still in that one. 
micro reason that makes up the macro picture. I'm definitely still not one. Not that's a great line. Any. That's a, a, a fucking Hall of Fame line right there, man. Like that's what that's, that's, that's what they pay me the little bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Every individual thing, there's a justification and a reasoning, and if you look at it in the vacuum of the moment, you kind of ah, I kind of get it. And, but then when you zoom out, you realize, oh, all of these things do add up to the trend that we have. That's really good, Vinny. Damn. Right. It's always a reason, and I and I have and I know nothing about. Chris Finch in a way that I would know nothing about David Vanderpool other than what you hear. And if you're not in those rooms, right. you don't know what what qualifies someone to be a quote-unquote head coach because that, all that is so dependent on the organizational direction. You know what I mean? It's so dependent yeah. on those relationships, but we never get the benefit of that doubt, and that's the problem. Hey, just going to take a quick time out here to talk to you about Stereo App. The drop-in live audio platform, Amin and I are going to do a Wednesday night show every week at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm just wondering why you haven't stopped this podcast right now and downloaded the Stereo app. Like It's a live platform. You're going to be able to ask questions live, listening to Amin and I, uh, answer trivia questions, basically take part in our podcast. Follow us at Darth Amin, at Haberstro. Again, that's Stereo app. Download it at the App Store and hang out with us every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. on the Stereo app. Live Haber show. All right, back to the program. So to me, and I'm not going to be as eloquent as, as Vinny at this, but I, I, this is what I said on the radio yesterday. I said, it's not about Ryan Saunders. Nobody here caping for the job Ryan Saunders did. And it's not about questioning the credentials of Chris Finch. Uh, Vinny, you make a great point. I always find it very amusing when media people are saying, so-and-so should be a head coach. Like, how do you know? How do you know they can coach? I, how do you know they can coach? It's Because they told you? Well, of course. <laughs> They're going to think they can coach. Because the people that work with them told you? Well, again, there's always some sort of kind of PR spin there. Like, the only objective way to know whether someone's going to be a good head coach or not is to witness them head coaching. And, and of course, this is forgot, like people who've been assistants and haven't been head coaches somewhere. So I could say I've seen Chris Finch head coach, seen him do it in the G League, seen him do it uh, for uh, Great Britain basketball the year they made the Olympics, uh, which was quite the feat when you how terrible their program is and, and no funding and all that for them to, to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, but for the most part, you don't really know, right? And even people who've coached elsewhere, you still don't know how it's going to be when they get to the NBA level. Some of them are really good. Some of them are trash, right? But it has nothing to do with either of those things. Or, 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 or David Vanderpool and his resume, which, by the way, is extensive as well. And he's got his own set of cosigns that, that bring respect with them. It's about the process, right? It's about the process. We've got coaches who get fired midseason all the time. I would say 95% of the time, what happens? The associate head coach gets the head position, interim style, to the end of the year. We're going to evaluate. We're going to do this search process or whatever. And at the end of the year, we're going to make a decision. Maybe this guy can win us over. I don't know if David Vanderbilt could coach. Or is he head coaching material? But I'm going to give him a chance because I have him on my staff, and you owe it to your staff to, to give them that opportunity. Um, also, the reason why you don't do this is because there is no flight risk. Chris, no one else was going to hire Chris Finch midseason. 
right? Let's say he is he's Bill Jackson reincarnate. Dude's gonna come back and he's gonna be the best coach of all time. Okay, he ain't gonna get hired midseason. And I'm pretty sure y'all didn't call him the for the first time right after Ryan Saunders. Like, hey, hey, Finchie, uh, you interested? Now they the say crazy thing is, I think I saw a report that Finch, Chris Finch was interviewed on Saturday, and the game the game was Sunday. Like they met on Saturday, whether that was a Zoom call or what. Um, there was a report that I read that they were they had it was a, a formal interview before the game. And I'm just sitting here like, man, that's Brian Saunders is coaching while they're already interviewing candidates. Yeah. That's, 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 that's but 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 here's here's the thing. First of all, they, they interviewed Finch for the job originally, uh, when it opened up. Or excuse me, when when Rosas took over. Yes. And before Rosas took over, I, my guy, one of my guys who's who's plugged in in Minnesota told me. Whoever they hire for general manager, he's going to have to keep the coach. I said, really? Because I wasn't that impressed with what Ryan Saunders did. I said, nope, that's, that's going to be the edict. And so Rosas comes in and says, we're going to do a search, da -da, and they interviewed a bunch of people, and Finch was one of them, and they ended up sticking with Ryan Saunders. Vanderpool was one of them, too. Yep. Vanderpool was one of them, too. So fast forward, Tom, you saw the report where he's interviewed the day before the other dude is fired. I said, what is Vanderpool supposed to do to demonstrate he's interested in that job? Is he supposed to break every single coach's code and campaign for the job behind his head guy's back? Because there ain't no coming back from that when, when it comes out. Uh, I know in Phoenix, when Alvin Gentry got let go and Lindsey Hunter became the head coach, my boy was working for sons.com at the time. He was a writer. And so, he, you know, they always try to put out the puff piece for the new coach. So he said, I'm going to call the guys, because Lindsey hadn't coached anywhere. See, Lindsey was a player development guy. He wasn't even an assistant coach. He sat behind the bench. So he's like, I'm going to call the, coach, the great coaches he played for and like, ask them about Lindsey and how they knew or whatever. And so he calls up Larry Brown. And so Larry Brown goes on for 40 minutes, like just shredding Lindsey. <laughs> that's not what we do. You don't, you don't do that. You don't put knives in the back of the guy in front of you and da-da-da. And, and my guy was like, it was a great conversation. I couldn't use any of it, obviously. But it's, it, it, was, it was amazing. And so the same thing is at play here. It's like, if you're David Vanderpool, I want this job, obviously, if it's available. But if I make it known that I want the job if it's available, now I look like a scumbag. If I don't make it known, y'all out here interviewing other guys. And so before I even had the chance to say, can I throw my hat in the ring? You've already made a decision. That's what we're talking about, what's wrong with the process. They could have, theoretically, they could have interviewed Vanderpool too and gone with this decision. I still think it was very awkward to hire a coach from another coach's bench midseason, but I'd understand, I'd accept it. But for you to automatically eliminate a guy, no, 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 not you. To me, it's just... It, it, it's it's just here's another not. here's another layer to it. I mean, he brought in Vanderpool and named him associate head coach. This mm -hmm. wasn't a guy that he inherited. He picked right. him up from a was he in Portland or somewhere else? Portland. He was Portland. So he was in Portland. He picked him up and said, "Okay, you're going to be associate head coach." In my book, that's basically like saying you're the co. You if, if something goes bad, you're the guy. So something goes bad. Ryan Saunders, a guy he inherits, is out. So to me, that says one of two things. That says either David Vanderpool, I don't see you as head coach material, period. Or it is David Vanderpool isn't doing something to 
show himself to be head coaching material if I bring you in, give you the title, and then don't give you a chance. Either that's glass ceiling or flawed thinking. You know what I mean? Like, and, right. and because we don't know the prop because the process is never open. Nobody's right. ever honest about this shit. You know what I mean? And we have no idea. But Vinny, it doesn't coach. It doesn't need to be open. When when you do it like that, it doesn't need to be open. That's ain't that ain't right. In the is same it, way that when Fisdale went in and he was talking to his locker room after a bad loss, and Steve Mills and Scott Perry out there doing a press conference talking about this is unacceptable, yada yada yada, before they even had a chance to talk to him. Like that's wrong. I don't give a fuck whether they were right in doubting him and they were better off. To do it like that process is incorrect, is inherently incorrect, and it's flawed. And and so you might get it right. The answer might end up being the right answer, but you did it using totally illegitimate means. You rolled the dice and, rather. Yeah, it was just it just right. happened, right? And, and 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 the bigger picture, obviously, right now is the optics are fucking terrible because this is what, like Vinny said, this is what everyone has been talking about. There is a shortcut for people in the network and for the people out of the network. Oh, well, well, you weren't really head coach. How do we know? How do we know these things? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy is that if you're going back to the well, who's coached? Like who, I, I haven't seen David Vanderpool coach yet, but I've seen Chris Finch coach. Isn't that a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's just like, you're only dipping into the same pool of opportunity, right? Is that the only people who get those opportunities, majority of them. Yeah. Yep. The big thing here, Tom, is that this wasn't a guy that you were worried was going to get scooped up. We got to make a move or else he's going to get scooped up, right? This isn't like the Suns pounce, like overpaying for Monty Williams at the time, quote unquote, because they wanted to get him before the Lakers could get him. Bitch ain't going nowhere. (laughs) That motherfucker never been a head coach anywhere in this league. So all of a sudden he's like, he's on fire as a candidate. And by the way, you got this rapport with him. You talk to him. You know him. You don't think if, if, if Gershon says, yo, Finchy, here's the deal. We're firing Ryan Saunders. I want you at the end of the season, but I got to give Vanderpool a chance. And let, let him see how it plays out. They're 7 and 24. What, what's going to happen? Right? You know what so happens? Vanderpool- you know what happens? No, you know what happens? You know what happens? Because I live in Detroit, right? And as and living in Detroit, I am not a Detroit Lions fan, but I, I, I know how Lions logic is. Okay, so here's how I'm going to spin it to y'all. The Minnesota Timberwolves have no franchise sort of profile in this way. If you wind up hiring David Vanderpool as an interim coach and he winds up performing at a rate that is higher than a 7-20 and 20 rate, they're going to say, why don't you keep him? Well, we got higher standards. We should, you know, we, we want to aim higher. Higher for, higher for Chris Fitch? So as opposed to putting this guy in this position and maybe he's successful, because maybe he's that much better than Ryan Saunders, or maybe the, the roster construction is going to turn itself because Carl Towns is back, Anthony Edwards starts playing a little bit better and getting it, getting it together or whatever. You win a few more games than you expect. You might have stuck with a guy that you that you really don't want after being stuck with another guy, Ryan Saunders, that you really didn't want. He didn't want to take that chance. No matter how it looks, it's jacked up and it's ugly, I mean. And just like the Knicks, you brought up the Knicks. We're talking about James Dolan. Like right. the common denominator are these franchises with the top-down mentality that don't even understand. I'm going to say that the Knicks and the Timbers on the same boat, but They're the kind code of, of it—they're both trash. The the code 
of ethics that even if Glenn Taylor says this, well, you know, and Glenn Taylor and ethics, right? Like, you know, Joe Smith, look it up. You know what I mean? Like, like all of that shit. So to, to me, it, it's, it's a lack of respect. Like to me, that yeah. if I'm David Vanderpool, you can't get up and quit your job because you're in the middle of a pandemic. And who's going to take on additional coaching salary in the middle mm -hmm. of a goddamn pandemic? So if Chris Fish decides to keep you on, then you got to sit there and eat this because you can't go nowhere. You know what I mean? You know, I looked this By up. Way, I looked oh, this up. Uh, the yeah. last person to take over from another bench was in 2009. Lionel Hollins. The Deacon. Now let's talk was, about this for a sec. Back to, was he with Lionel Hollins Memphis, right? was with the Milwaukee Bucks under Scott Skiles. Right. And when the Memphis Grizzlies fired Mar Mark Yavaroni. Is that how you pronounce I, it? Ivaroni. Ivaroni. Yeah. He, um, they, hi they hired Lionel Hollins off the Milwaukee Bucks bench to, to come coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now right. here's, here's the footnote here. Lionel Hollins had already been the interim head coach twice right. yeah. for the Memphis Grizzlies. So think about that. They were back, confident yeah. enough to have him promoted twice as the interim head coach for the Memphis Grizzlies, but decided to go in a different direction after that interim tag was done. And then they decided, okay, the third time's a charm. We're going to bring in Lionel Hollins to take this team to the next level. And then they do amazing things in the grit and grind era. Tom, you want to play a little Tom's trivia right here? Yes. You ready for this? All right. Let's go. How, how many black head coaches have the Minnesota Timberwolves had in their 32-year history? Can I, can I guess? Sam, yes, Sam yes. Mitchell. Two. Sam Mitchell, Dwayne Casey. Tom, what do you got? I'm going to say two. Those, those two were accurate, but there is a third. He took over midway through a bad season in 92-93. And then 93-94, he had the, the job for the entire year. And then he got fired for a guy who did just about as bad as he did. Sidney Lowe. I was just... Mm. Sidney wow. Lowe. Mm. The man that Gary Payton once called a Smurf. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. He says, shut up, you little Smurf. <laughs> like, but the point is, if you look at the, the, these three gentlemen, right? Sidney Lowe took over a bad team, performed, you know, at about average for that roster, 20 and 62, and then got fired. They hired uh, the Bill Blair, who went 21 and 61, and then got fired midway through the next season where Flip Saunders took over. And then uh, there's this guy called Kevin Garnett who joined the team, and, <laughs> and things kind of just change after that, right? And Flip Saunders takes over, and he's this, uh, this beloved kind of uh, cult, he uh, cult hero there. And then Flip Saunders gets fired midway through a, uh, a kind of middling 500 season. And Mikhail takes over for the rest of that season. Mikhail hires Dwayne Casey, who goes 33 and 49. And then the next year, Dwayne Casey is 20 and 20. They're 500, mm. which is quite the achievement with that Minnesota team when everybody was hurt and mm. everybody was sad. Dwayne Casey gets fired. Randy Whitman takes over, goes 12 and 30 after that. And then Randy <laughs> Whitman goes 22 and 60 the year after that. 
Then Randy Whitman goes four and fifteen, and Kevin McHale comes back down, goes twenty and forty-three, fifth, and then Kurt Rambis takes over, fifteen wins, seventeen wins. Rick Adelman, twenty-six wins, thirty-one wins, forty and forty-two. Saunders comes back, sixteen and sixty-six, passes away. Sam Mitchell on the eve of the season takes over. Everything is kind of up in the air. He's got a a young roster. No one was ex- you know expecting much, and and obviously he wasn't expecting to be in this position. Yep. Goes 29 and 53 at the end of the year, he gets let go for Tom Thibodeau. So in short, three black coaches who were given like jack shit and almost zero time to get anything done to install any sort of culture and then let go in 32 years. And so Gerson Rosas, that's part of the context of your hiring. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, that's part of the context right there that this is an organization that historically has not had a whole lot of diversity when it comes to their head coaching position and indeed their front office. And I know that obviously Gerson Rosas is Hispanic and Sajan Kupta is, uh, is of Indian descent, but that's why, that's why you have to, A, you have to very, be very careful when you're talking about the quote unquote minority numbers that the NBA likes to tout because it can be, "Quote unquote diverse and still be exclusionary." Yes, yes. And I won't say nobody wants to talk about it, but I'll just say it's a conversation that we ain't having too often because it's too hard to have. Yep. So I want to say that Chris Finch could, you know, if it's true that he was instrumental in Nikola Jokic's rise in Denver, that he was the top assistant coach, the offensive guru who turned Nikola Jokic into the MVP candidate to be that he is. And then in New Orleans, he's, you know, I guess doing good things for Zion Williamson. And then he goes to Toronto with his boy, uh, Nick Nurse, um, from the Great Britain stint, um, that he could be an amazing head coach, but so could David Vanderpool and other... And you you can make the same exact argument. Okay, he was instrumental in Nikola Jokic. That's great, dude. That's really cool. That guy's instrumental, uh, CJ Dame. Yep. Dame uh, uh, coming out of in Portland. Yeah. Weber State and CJ coming out of Lehigh. Yeah. Like, that's like, I mean, look, Serbia is a bigger, hot, better basketball than those two schools. So uh, it's not supposed to be a dick measuring contest, right? But the idea is that if, even if it were, can I pull my dick out? Is that, a, <laughs> if it is a dick measuring contest, yeah. are we going to measure my dick too? Or are we going to say, oh, no, 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 your, your, your dick could never. Like, and that's what happened here, right? It's that whatever argument you can make for Finch, that's valid, by the way. This dude's a, he's a, he's a real deal candidate, and I hate that all of this comes across like we're, we're kind of second-guessing him because he's a good candidate, and he, he was going to be a head coach sooner or later in this league. But any argument you make for him, you could make the same argument for Vanderpool, except he wasn't allowed to make his argument. Finch got a second interview on Saturday, right? Or the first one being before Ryan Saunders got the job. And this was the second one. Vanderpool didn't get that. And whatever he's, oh, but he's in there every day. What am I supposed to do? Walk around second guessing my head coach? Does that look good on me? Am I supposed to be doing that? Because that's, that's not how this thing goes. So, you know, every coach has things that they would be doing differently if they were the head coach. Alvin Gentry, when Terry Porter was our head coach, Terry Porter was doing a ton of shit that we didn't like. Alvin never once came out and said, well, if I were da 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 
But the moment he took over, the players saw it. Alvin changed a bunch of things, and we became a better team for it. So it's not to say that assistant coaches don't have aspirations or don't have different ways of wanting to do things. Look at Ty Lue right now with the Clippers mm -hmm. uh, after Doc. But the idea that, like, oh, I would have known. I, as a general manager, I would have known because they're here every day. No, you wouldn't unless they were doing something that we've all decided that goes against the code, right? Lindsey Hunter got one more job after he got fired from Phoenix, and he hasn't been a coach in this league since, right? Uh, Darren Ehrman, audio taped uh, uh, Mark, Jackson, Mark Jackson, Jackson, right? Golden and State. even though Darren was technically right, guess where his NBA career has been since then? I think one other uh, assistant coaching stint in New Orleans and uh, head coach in the G League. Look, this uh, is what happens. This yeah. is what happens when you when you go against the code, whether you're right or wrong. Did, it, whether Jim Boylan went against the code or not, with Fred Boy with with Fred Hoiberg in Chicago, there's the thought. There's the thought that you know, whenever he patted Fred Hoiberg on the back, he was searching for a, a kidney to stick the <laughs> knife. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that was an oh, open. Just... It was an open secret. That yeah. everybody knew, and you know, and if it gets to little old beat writers, you think players don't know, you think people mm. don't see. Like to me, it's and it's not even about anybody's coaching acumen. I'm gonna take a line from one of my favorite TV shows, Power, the lawyer Joe Proctor, when he when he was about to get Tommy second Egan week off, in a row. I mean, he said, yeah. "Fruit from a poisonous tree." The process is a poisonous tree, so it doesn't right. matter if this guy is Newt Rockney, Phil Jackson. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's going to it's going to look spoiled, in at least in the beginning. And like you said, for me, David Vanderpool is in an unwinnable situation because if he goes against everything that's happening with Ryan Saunders, who is franchise royalty, right? Regardless of whatever you think, he was franchise royalty because of his lineage. You can't go against that in that type of city being a black man. Secondly, if you network too much as a black coach, then you get a label. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If white, white coaches can network with each other and do certain things and not get labeled, the second black coaches get to do that, then they're too ambitious. Or, you know, they're, they're, it, it's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's mm -hmm. these different labels. You can't just do your job. You have to navigate through all these different treacherous, like, sort of, like, like I'm trying to watch like, so unfair. Like, I'm, try, I'm trying to think like uh if a black head coach is like networking, he's not a great network or or a great relationship guy, he's somehow slimy or something like that, where he's yeah. he's just you know trying to get along with everybody. I like I never really considered that double standard of like white white people head coaches, if they if they go do a certain thing that might be ambitious for their career or career seeking move, it's spun in a positive light versus a negative one. I would tell you this, black coaches don't even like talking to the media, like even through, like, not even like back channels. They're very afraid of getting right. close to media because they don't want to appear to be too ambitious. You know what I mean? Like mm. you, like some people he's, don't need- He's a me guy. He's out here, he's trying to get his name in the print, in the papers and stuff like that, you know, to get like his name out there. You ain't here, you just basically trying to uh, social climb your way up. But everybody can progress naturally in that way, you know. What I mean? But it's it's just a, like 
being in, black in America. It's just it's just a different environment that is the NBA. And just because the NBA is a quote unquote black lead does not mean that we are not subject to the social norms and issues that black folks have to deal with every day. It's just you make a lot of money, you dress on the side, you know, you get some suits and everything else, but you gotta deal with the same shit. And it's and to me, I don't know what solution there is because Adam Silver can't come down and make the owners that he technically works for do something different. How do you, I don't know how you fix this. Adam Silver is paid to take the bullets for the owners, not to make these billionaires do something. I ain't never seen a millionaire tell a billionaire, especially when both people are white, what to do. (laughs) Well, David Stern did. The, the, the emperor is a different animal, man. I love, I love, I love Stern, man. I couldn't stand the dress code, and I, I wanted to give David Stern some flowers before he died because I wanted to tell him that the dress code was racist as fuck. But I agree with it. In hindsight, it's like in hindsight, in hindsight it, it in worked. Hindsight, I get it, wor- it. it worked. It worked. I didn't like it in the moment. I was like twenty one. I felt like he was taking a shot at me and my culture, but yeah. it worked. It's 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 tough, man. Like I I just. I, I don't know what, what the fix is. I do know that, like, this can't be a process. And you got to get, you have to get called out when this is your process. I, I think that's that's my main takeaway, is that the process is faulty. And when the process is faulty, man, more often than not, even if this microtransaction works, overall, what you're doing doesn't work because you've shown that you are a franchise that takes shortcuts and doesn't doesn't do it the right way and i think minnesota 32 seasons nine playoff appearances got out the first round one time and that one year was when they had the mvp of the league and the very next year they missed the playoffs with the mvp of the league right it's like it speaks for itself there's a reason they're shitty this is who they are and so it shouldn't surprise us that once again they did something shitty now how does it change? It changes when ownership changes. And that's, that's in the process. They're looking for a buyer right now. But that, all that means is there's an opportunity for change. It might I, be business as usual with the new ownership. You never know. I, th- I think that's got to be part of this, this conversation here is that the team is up for sale. Because I think Gerson Rose says he's, in a lot of ownership changes, they might look at the front office and be like, I want my own people in here. Mm-hmm. For Gerson, I think when you're making a coach midseason co- coaching change, you have to have that context in mind. Is that you know he might not look at the clock and say I can wait until this off season, right? He might be like, if Chris Finch is my guy, I got to bring him in here, even if it looks bad. I got to bring him in here because I think he is the right person for this job. And to what Amin was talking about earlier about how like someone had told him like whoever was going to get hired or whoever he was interviewing, it didn't matter. It was going to be uh, Ryan Saunders' job when Gerson took over. It certainly looks, this picture looks like Rosas knew that Finch was going to be the guy, and he realized, like, if this isn't going to be Ryan Saunders' team for the rest of the year, cut bait now and have this coach in place before this break coming up, the the Mm all-star break coming up, so they can have some sort of a a training camp. I don't know. but You think Toronto should have demanded compensation? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. Like, what, like my thing is this: my my, I've always felt, man, if you have a guy who works for you, who has an opportunity to move up, yep. you never get in that way. 
Having said that, you're taking one of my lead assistant coaches in the middle of a season. We're, we just got in a playoff picture again after starting one of the worst teams in the conference. There has to be compensation for that. Y'all taking him from us now, not like at the end of the year. You're taking us from him. You're taking him from us now. You got to throw me a second or something. I'm surprised they just let it slide like that. Minnesota ain't in a position to owe nobody no picks right now. Oh boy. They, they got stuff ta- attached to their credit report. They owe a first round. <laughs> they owe a first round pick in a year where you got what? How many guys that could be technically number one overall number one picks? Yeah, this is a crazy. It year will be year. Po- it will be poetic justice for the draft to be rigged and whatever the protections is, they fall top right three, off. Four. They get top down four? to four. Yeah, yeah so top three. It's top Chris three. So they- be good, but not yeah. too good, Chris. Not too good. Maybe that's um, why. That's another way you want Vanderpool in there. That motherfucker trying to, he, he coaching for his job. He might fuck around and win too much. <laughs> um, all right, real quick, I want to talk about Boogie Cousins was released by the, uh, reportedly released by the Houston Rockets today. Uh, like a week ago, um, he wanted, or they had agreed to trade him or look for trade options and it didn't work out and they decided to release uh, Boogie Cousins. Where do you guys think he makes sense? If he makes sense on a, on a team, going forward like Brooklyn I want to say maybe Brooklyn would be interested but in that switching defense how are you going to rely on DeMarcus Cousins who can't move laterally nearly as much as he he's, he can't move right now like his his defense in Houston has been all drop coverage and you're going to ask him to do a switching defense with this team bro let's not act like the defensive scheme that he was playing is the reason why He's not a good defensive player. And quite frankly, this season, he hasn't been a good offensive player either. He's shooting 37% from the floor. Uh, a lot of that is he's, he's, just, he's a spot-up shooter. All of it is three-pointers. But the thing is... let me uh, Allow me to push back here. He's shooting less than 50% at the rim. Yeah. He's, he's not been good. He had a couple of good games. He's been excellent rebounding-wise. I can't take that away from him. He's a good passer. But this is kind of a little bit like the, the Blake Griffin situation. I'll be, he's a better shooter, uh, and he doesn't. He isn't owed eight billion dollars. Um, but like, look. You, so l- let me describe a player for you. He's yeah. a guy who is, can shoot a little, but isn't a great shooter. Has lost the ability to finish in the paint. Can't defend, and the one thing he brings to the table is a great rebounder. Right. What am I supposed to do with that? And also, is he cool with coming in and basically being a, hey, we're playing against Embiid tonight, so we need some size. Like, most nights, you ain't going to play. But Embiid, Jokic, some of these other guys will throw you out there for some bully ball out there. I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. And secondly, you brought up Brooklyn. Forget the basketball. You need to tell me how a team with DeMarcus Cousins and James Harden in the same locker room is going to work this year when if James Harden was in Houston one more red-ass <laughs> day, there was going to be some furniture moving in that locker room between Boogie, John Wall, and James Harden. So I forgot I would, about that, man. Oh, I, oh, black folks, we never forget about beef. <laughs> but, I, you know... I don't know what value he brings. If you're not finishing at the rim, you're not reliable. Like one thing coaches and teams want when you're talking about ninth, 10th, whatever it is, it's kind of like what people thought about Carmelo Anthony when Carmelo was exiled, except Carmelo could still play. When they thought he's too high maintenance enough 
for us to bring in even in a reserve role, you know, for you to fill this role because we think that little of you in your performance. When with Boogie, you can kind of see the performance isn't exactly worth whatever potential headache he may wind up bringing in, even if you want an extra body for just rebounding, not even defense, but just rebounding. Can you find that somewhere else? Right. Without without all that other stuff. Yeah. Without all that other stuff. I, and I feel like, yo, it sucks what happened to him, man. It sucks what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But fuck it, man. Like, this, this is a tough league. This is a tough league. And, and sometimes it, does, it doesn't make sense and it's not fair. But... That's how it is, man. I, I just don't know because Lakers are the same situation. Like, they need some size, but they're like, like Vinny said, I think I can do better. If all you bring into the table is rebounding, I think I can do better. Um, He's really shooting 39% quick. on layups. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Just not, I mean, that's just not good, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just not good. Uh, yeah. But, like, he, um, I mean, you, if, if, if you want a rebounder, or someone who can finish at the rim, you you wait and see how that Andre Drummond situation plays out in Cleveland. Right. Or if if he winds up getting bought out, you know, whatever, younger player, more defensively capable, best maybe best rebounder in the game, adequate finishing at the rim. Like there, there's no reason to take a chance on Boogie right now unless you absolutely have to. And I don't see a team that's worth it right now. Even I mean, not even Brooklyn has to right. take a chance on Demarcus Cousins right now. I mean, look, look Dallas, this is the Dallas? best. This is the best way. I, this is the best way I could put it to you, Tom. Juan Toscano Anderson right now is better than Demarcus Cousins, right? You didn't have to do a whole lot of backflips to go get him. They went and got they they got him down the street, <laughs> like he played high school yeah. down like at Oakland Tech or wherever the hell he played, right? Like these guys are. Every, I, I've been beating this drum for a while. These guys are everywhere. The G League is full of these guys. You just have to identify them. And then give them enough, you know, what David Thorpe calls royal jelly. You got to keep developing, give them the time to kind of get their feet set or whatever. But these guys are out there. You talk about, like, let me get a big guy who can rebound for me and defend a little bit. The G League is right there. They're playing in the show in the, uh, the bubble right now. So, to me, I'd rather take my chances with someone like that than to go back in the scrapbook and get a guy that my fans might recognize, but you know, you recognizing something from the past and not necessarily what the present holds. Oh, man, are we not going to have enough time to talk about Top Shop? Because I don't... That should sound like a scam to me, man. <laughs> I know a scam when I see one. Are we selling images? Is that what that is? Like, I, I, We're I not selling them. We're not selling... Because you don't own it. Like, If you told me, hey, I mean, I'm selling you this highlight, and if ESPN or anybody wants to run this highlight anymore, they got to give you a royalty a half a cent or whatever every time it plays. I'm like, cool, that makes sense. It's like, no, I just get to say it's mine. I'm like, you mean this thing I can go on YouTube and see for free and the same quality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a GIF? It's, it's a you video. Know, it's, it's, a, it's a moment. So they're selling moments. So you could buy a LeBron James steal. You could buy a, a Sadoransky three-pointer. And no, these things are going it. for like $10,000. You're paying money for it, for a copy of it that they keep. It's like, you know, it, it, it would be like, yes, Mercedes makes a zillion S-classes a year, right? I'll sell you one of these S-classes. Now, there are going to be others out there. Cool. Except if there was also a player say, hey, man, you want this free Mercedes? Yeah. This play, like this, this YouTube dealership. Like, hey, you want this free Mercedes? Here <laughs> I'm taking it, yeah. 
Why am I paying forty thousand dollars for this? Bro? Hey man, eighty. You ever, yeah. you ever, you ever use a screen grab on your phone, bro? Yeah. I, I, hold on, I'll get you this Mercedes right now. Here you go. Like if the uh, NBA like, was going to crack down on highlights on YouTube and on Twitter and social media, right. this would be a different story. But like, I can watch that same LeBron dunk. And, and, even, and but, even but it gets back did. to this question of like, um, intellectual. Why, why is a Picasso going for like a hundred million dollars? Because that's the only one. Because it's the only one. Like, and it's also the what is something worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. So right now sure. there is a marketplace for these these moments, these NBA moments. But, but why? The thing is, like, it just. But why is there like, a marketplace? Because it's an opportunity. People are thinking they're very bullish on this market, right? Why? Because it's a trend. Because of like everything in the digital era, it's a trend, and people get excited and they're going after it. Remember when Clubhouse was? Oh, oh, can I have a Clubhouse invite? It was like crack, and now it's like oh, it's just a bunch of people yelling about like how much a date should cost. Like, imagine if you had to pay for that invite, right? Which some oh, that's next. Oh, that's next. <laughs> Every time I it's, go on Clubhouse, it is masterclass how to be a better wife. What? Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, shut your dumb ass up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call But that's the point. It's like, what, what's happening here? Like, what, are, what is the actual the value being created, right? That, like, even a Picasso, you can say, well, they're reprods, right? Yeah, but like, there's a difference between the reprod and the original. Right, there's a, a a significant difference. These they're not even selling you the original. This in and of itself it's a reprod. And when you you copy a digital file, it is an exact duplicate. If I screenshot, if I if I have a picture and I duplicate it on my phone, I send it to you. That is the same picture. And it's not like a Xerox where it got worse. So it's just like I I feel yeah, what, like all yeah, these what people, is an original highlight? Like a highlight is just are, a redistribution, a redistributed. People Clip, are video getting clips. excited for something that someone told them. You need to get excited about this. That's what it is. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's Balenciaga I mean, ugly ass sneakers. I mean, we should have like a weekly segment, oh like God. a financial advisor. Or like Skechers. Some, some CNBC guy comes on to explain the the marketplace. Because we've, we've had moments like this on the show, Vinny, where we're like, I don't understand what, what's happening here. Like, it, what's it, the point? It, it goes back to our, my GameStop conversation, which was... Look, I get what they're doing. They're fucking with these other, but at some day the fucking with them is going to end, and nobody shops at GameStop. So ultimately, you're playing a game. All right, we just finished up with Vinny Goodwill at Yahoo Sports. They know that they just got done listening. No, I mean, see, I got to do the the proper outro and say, uh, like, go follow Vinny Goodwill on Twitter at don't like this is this is how we do things in the Twitter yeah. world or the the podcasting world, man. Like, you gotta you gotta you gotta let me do this, uh, okay, Vin, go Vinny Goodwill, who like who in Chicago is beloved um, for his coverage <laughs> at NBC Sports Chicago. When I joined NBC Sports, they're like, if you're half as good as Vinny Goodwill, you're gonna be okay, Tom. Don't forget, by the way. Tonight, if you listen to this on Wednesday, it's Wednesday night, which means it's Stereo Night. Download the Stereo app from the App Store. Follow me at Darth Amin. Follow Tom at Haberstro. And we're going to be watching the, the national games. We're going to be watching the games in general uh, live. We're going to be answering your questions uh, submitted by a voice note. And we're going to talk about basketball. Like mm. real honest to God, good, smart basketball talk. 
live that you can interact with via the voice note function. So and please download stereo and join us there. And, and also now that you've listened to our podcast, you can, if you disagreed on the show, you don't have any, any ability to say, I mean, you were wrong about that take, or I love that take. I mean, or Tom, I actually knew that trivia question. Here's the thing you didn't know about Lionel Hollins or Ryan Saunders before that. And you give us context. Like that's great on a, on a traditional podcast, but this is a live podcast where you can join us live on the show and make those points or make those things, those observations that you listen to on this podcast. You can do it live Wednesday nights at 9 PM on the stereo app. It's a live drop in podcast platform. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we will talk to you then Wednesday nights, 9 PM.